Welcome to the Embrace Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Crocker. I am an experienced trainer and active life professional. I work with people who are struggling with nagging pain to get back to the activities they love without fear of re-injury. This podcast is here to educate and provide value to you on all things health, fitness, staying active, and personal development. Let's dive in. Okay, so my first podcast recording with my one of my closest friends, Kristen. Yeah, super excited to have you on. I So we have known each other. I was trying to figure it out. I mean, technically, as long as Caitlin and I have been friends. Right. It's, Just since you were five. Yeah, so that's 25 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. 25 years you've been my what what would you call it like pseudo baby sister yeah seriously (laughs) so for the listeners Kristen's younger sister Caitlin has been my best friend since five-year-old preschool and Kristen's her older sister and so like by proxy we all kind of grew up together (laughs) uh, yeah we're all still besties to this day so yeah that's pretty cool So that's how we know each other. And then I wanted to have you on the podcast because you have also been my client a couple of times. We worked together for nutrition a long time ago. And then also I helped you with your back injury. So I knew you were one of the first people I wanted to have on. And also you are a nurse and you worked in the hospital setting and conventional medicine, but now you've transitioned into nurse coaching and more like the functional medicine side too. So I also want to talk about that. So for the listeners, it's going to be kind of like a two-parter. Like first I want uh, Kristen to talk about her work and background as a nurse, because that also kind of feeds into where she is now and um, working with me and all of that. So first off, I just want you to chat a little bit about like why you became a nurse in the first place. Okay. Honestly, I think that I, I knew I wanted healthcare of some kind. Like I have always been a caregiver. Like that's just always kind of been my personality. So I knew that I wanted to do something of that sort. Uh, and honestly, originally I was like a pre-med track. And then okay. within, within like the first year of college, I was like, no, you're like, just kidding. I'm, I don't need that. <laughs> I'm not doing this for seven, eight years residency, all that jazz. It's not happening. Uh, so I decided to go the nursing route and I'm really glad I did because it really like nursing and I just, it's a thing. It worked. I clicked with it right away. School was awful and hard, but it was absolutely worth it. And I wouldn't, I would, I love where I'm at now, but I wouldn't trade my 10 years at the bedside for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about when you started to not enjoy working in a hospital setting, like at the bedside anymore, like, was it COVID that did you in or was it kind mm-hmm. of before that or tell me more? Yeah. So I think, I think it was a combination of factors I would say as many as five years ago, I started mentioning to my husband that like, I'm going to get out of this at some point and I'm going to switch to preventative. Like, that's what I really want to do. I want to keep people out of here, not keep taking care of them in here. 
But then my last unit that I was on was just like, I really loved that team. I really loved working together with those girls. Like we were like a little family unit, but we, it just started getting worse and worse as far as like staffing. Every, every nurse's nightmare is staffing. Um, There's just never enough of us and, and people are getting sicker and sicker. Like every year there's a noticeable difference in how sick the patients coming into our unit were. Like it was just, it was like, holy crap, how are these people getting this sick? Like what is happening? Um, So that kept the, like, eventually I'm going to leave this and do preventative going in the back of my mind. But I was so comfortable where I was that I was just kind of staying stagnant, I guess. But then COVID did, it did us all in. Honestly, like, I don't know a single nurse who didn't face mm-hmm. some serious burnout. Yeah. Um, so that was a lot. It was, it was mentally taxing, physically taxing, emotionally taxing. Like it was just, it was a lot, but even through that, like we really kind of trauma bonded almost. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it felt like, it felt like you couldn't jump ship. Like you had to stay because right. we all had to suffer together. It wasn't fair if one of us managed to get out. And so we were all kind of struggling with that mentality of like, what do we do? How can we make this better? Do I just leave? And then when things started to get a little better as far as COVID and the patients were, you know, it wasn't constant, like full unit, full intubations, everything was chaos. When that started to die down is when I got hurt. Mm -hmm. And then when I got hurt, it was like, okay, (laughs) okay. I don't think I have a choice, but maybe this is a very clear sign to just walk away at this point. So that was kind of my like defining moment. And yeah. like, I think the the lack of empathy too, because to me, nursing was like, I gave it my all every time. If I was there and I was on your unit and I was working, you had me a hundred percent. I was doing the best job I could possibly do. I gave it my all. I showed up when you asked for extra help. And then when I got hurt and there was like, sorry, it was <laughs> yeah. kind of like, is this really the system I want to stay in? Mm, I don't think it is. So yeah. that was kind of like the nail in the coffin for bedside nursing for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were talking about like people coming in sicker and sicker and like, is that what made you want to go more to like functional medicine and preventative side? Like tell me more about that. Yeah. I've always, I've always been of the mindset that like, if you can deal with it without medicine, then that's great. Let's do it. I've also always been like a problem solver. Mm -hmm. So I hate the idea of like, here's, here's an ill, here's a pill. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. That's that's definitely how conventional medicine is. Yeah. We, in, in conventional medicine, we always say there's a pill for every ill. (laughs) and then if you get a side effect of that pill like oh here's a pill for that Mm -hmm. so it was just like it never felt like especially the unit I was on last it was like these were really sick people I was on a progressive care unit and it was like just medicine after medicine after medicine and and it was never like we weren't solving the problem we weren't getting to the root of the issue and so like they would get discharged and they would be right back a month and a half, two months later, like we had so many frequent flyers because we weren't getting to the root of the problem. And like, also people aren't always willing to make changes. They're not always willing to do what you educate them on and tell them to do when they go home. Sometimes they don't take their medicine. Sometimes they don't stop drinking, like whatever it is. 
people don't always cooperate, but nine times out of 10, we were like, here's a pill, go home, beds open, put another one, just, mm-hmm. just constantly in and out, in and out. And we don't have in the traditional model, we don't have the time to devote to education and this and that, and here's why, and here's what you could do in place of it, because you take too long doing a discharge. They're like, they're like, get them out, get them out. Yeah. we need that bed. And I'm like, I haven't even gone over all their instructions yet. And they're like, let's go. Yeah. So it's, so that was really like, to me, I, I was like, this is not, this is not caring for people. Right. This is patching up and sending on. Mm-hmm. And I want to actually care for people. I want to help them solve the problem. So that was when I started doing more. I'm also, I'm a little bit of a nerd. <laughs> like if I want to know about it, I want to know about it. Right. So I just, I'll read whatever I get my hands on about it. And that was when my, my wheels really started turning about learning more about functional medicine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Band-aids over bullet wounds mm-hmm. <laughs> is mm-hmm. definitely what's happening. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about what nurse coaching is and kind of how you found it and what that means. So nurse coaching is, it's very, I mean, it's very similar to coaching, like, you know, coaching is a universal thing. And, and I know like anybody can stick a label on their Instagram or whatever and be like, I'm a coach, (laughs) but it's like nurse coaching specifically is you already have the background of nursing. You have to have the credentials like you have to have completed pasture and clicks and preferably have some experience in most circumstances. They want you to at least have some background knowledge. Um, but nurse coaching specifically focuses on being able to help people heal. Mm-hmm. And that's physically, mentally, you know, and it's, it's learning to use resources. Like if somebody has all of these problems and after we're sitting down and we're, and I'm like, okay, tell me about this, tell me about this. And we start going through the list and they're like, and I realize all of these things are coming from stress. Like, okay, we could deal with a lot of these issues if we could deal with your stress. Well, coping with stress, I have a few tricks in the book that I can teach you about, but that's outside of my wheelhouse. So I'm going to refer you to a therapist mm-hmm. and we're going to work together, me, you, and that therapist, and we're going to learn how to deal with every step of it. Right. It's specific things like diabetes. I work one-on-one with people to help them learn to eat well, move well, get their A1C down and how to do it in a sustainable way that they're not having to stay on metformin, insulin, any of those things forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. Um, It's basically taking the knowledge that the traditional model has and meshing it with functional medicine. Like that's kind of how I like to look at coaching. I'm, I'm taking the best of both worlds. Right. And I'm putting them together. Because somebody has to be somewhere in the middle in that gray area saying we can have a little bit of both. It doesn't have to be one extreme or the other. And the, you know, primary cares, family practice, they are so overwhelmed. They, they do not have the time to sit and educate each patient. They're like in, out, in, out, just next room, next room, next room. So that's where I come in and I'm like, okay, tell me what what they said, what they prescribed, what we're talking about. And then I have the time to dedicate to educating you on that diagnosis. Here's what we could do about it that doesn't involve medication. I do have the ability to partner with the doctor so that I could say like, you know, hey, their goal is eventually to come off this medication, but we're a team and I'm not going to tell them to just stop a medication that you've prescribed. We got to be on the same page. 
So it's a lot of partnerships as well as is where coaching comes into play. But it's having a teammate mm-hmm. the whole step of the way. Right. That's that's educating you and helping you and showing you that it's it's a sustainable thing. We can do this in a way that you don't lose 20 pounds in 10 days and then gain 30 pounds back as soon as you stop. It's right. yeah. it's finding balance and it's having an accountability partner and a support person and a teammate all wrapped in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think it's really cool that this is kind of formed and mm-hmm. that there are people out there like you helping people like make it sustainable, make it mm-hmm. a habit. And the education piece is so huge because like you said, all of healthcare is overwhelmed and there's just no time for that. Even if the person doing wants it to, like yeah. wants to, it's like you have people over you hanging over your head, like, come on, we got to get other people through. And so tell me about like how you you meet with clients every day. Tell me more about the setting that you work in now, like day to day. Yeah. So my current setting that I'm in is I am employed by an insurance company and then I am contracted on site to an electric company. So I specifically work with their employees. Uh, That's, that's what I'm doing right now. And it's, it's really, it's been a really cool experience because what the company is doing is they have contracted a nurse coach to come on site and work with their customers to help them be healthier, to help them, you know what I mean? It, it benefits everyone when the employees are healthier because it cuts down costs for the insurance. It cuts down costs for the company. It helps the employees have less sick time. So not only are they feeling better, they're using less PTO for things like being sick or not feeling, you know, back hurting, aching joints, things like that. They can actually use that PTO for fun reasons. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a mutually beneficial relationship for everybody. And they actually go so far as to do like an incentive program that when their customers or when their employees are willing to partner with me, then they get benefits from partnering with me and doing preventative things and taking care of themselves. So it's a really neat dynamic, but basically the way it works is they come to see me one-on-one and we sit down and we chat and I get to know, I'm like, what's your job like? Are you sedentary? Are you in the field? How many days do you work? What are your hours like? Like, I really want to know this person and what, what their life looks like because health is not a one size fits all thing. And you, you know, that mm-hmm. it has to be tailor-made to each person because if they come in and they're like, I'm diabetic, but I'm not making, you know I mean? I'm not making any progress. Or one of them, for example, came into me one day and she was, I was getting a meter for the first time and we were going over things. What are the medicines you take? She was on multiple medications and like two or three of them were specifically for diabetes. And I was like, Hmm, okay. Like the, the wheels start turning in my brain immediately as they're telling me all these things. And I'm like, okay, so diabetes is probably where we need to make our focus. And she said, I said, so how well is your diabetes controlled? And she said, I mean, I think it does pretty well. My sugar is usually like 110, which mind you, a fasting sugar should be less than 100. Right. Um, optimal would be like 80 to 90, but less than 100 is considered not diabetic for a fasting blood sugar. And I said, yeah, but you're taking three diabetes medications. And she just like, she just froze and she just stared at me for like a solid minute. And she was like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, she's like, wait, you're right. That's a, it, problem. a light bulb went off for her in that moment. And she said, I, she's like, no one has ever, ever said that to me. Oh, no that's one so has crazy. ever told me that, yeah, it's somewhat regulated, but that's because 
you're on three medications for it and it's still not tightly regulated. And so I was like, that's, I, I said, I feel like that's, you know, a place that we could start. We could work on finding, finding what is the cause, what is triggering your sugar to constantly be elevated, even with medication. And she, I've been working with her for eight months now. She has wow. made so much progress. I mean, that's like insane. She's lost so much weight. She feels so much better. Every time she comes in my office, she's smiling and excited you know, like it's, it's really, you know, and we've, we've worked really hard on educating on what kind of foods to eat, what foods are beneficial for her, what foods are not. She's walking every single day and like walking makes my heart so happy. Yeah. <laughs> People are walking. I'm like, yes, <laughs> like it's such an underrated tool for taking care of yourself. So, so it's fun. It's a lot of like that. It's the one-on-one -on -one, it's meeting with people and it's tailoring my coaching to them. What's going on in your life? How can I meet you where you are? That's that's how we help people be successful. Yeah, it's taking the whole person into account and giving them more than 15 minutes. Yes, <laughs> yeah, my appointments are supposed to be 30 minutes because it's like, you know, they're, they're allowed to come during work hours. Like they don't have to clock out, take a break, anything like that. It's a, it's a really, really awesome program. So my appointments are supposed to be about 30 minutes. Nine times out of 10, they're in my office at least almost an hour. And I'm like, I'm going to end up getting people in trouble. I have to figure out how to reel this in. But, you know, they can also come see me as often as they want. So okay. most of them come to see me once every three to four weeks so that we can stay on top of things. Yeah, that's so awesome. Are you happier now? Oh, my gosh. Just entirely. I mean, it's it feels like it feels like my whole life changed from from walking away from the toxicity that had become my mental state at the bedside. Now, granted, COVID, COVID did a really mental toll on me, um, but it was, I was just not, I wasn't the same anymore. And I don't think I realized it till one day, Caitlin, my younger sister was like, you're like you again. Aww, and yeah. I was like, holy cow, I am. Mm -hmm. I am. So yeah, I'm, I'm way, the hours are great. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm home for my family. You know, when I, when I was leaving for my shifts at the hospital, I was leaving before everybody was up. And then I was home by the time the kids were already in bed by the time I got home. So when I was working at the hospital, I was missing their whole day on the days that I did go. And now I'm not, I mean, I still am up before everybody leaves, but that doesn't bother me because I would rather miss all the traffic. Um, but yeah, then I'm home by like four o'clock. I have dinner with my family every night. I'm at sport games, practices. It's, it's fantastic. So uh, now I want to move a little bit more into your back injury and kind of what happened, like tell the people what happened. Okay. So it was like the first week of January, 2022. Yeah. And I was at work and I was, had a patient who I needed slid up in the bed because it was time to take, I was going around doing morning, morning med rounds. So he was a big old boy. And I went and got another nurse because number one, I'm not pulling somebody up by myself regardless. Right. But that's our, our policy is anytime you're moving a patient up in the bed, it needs to be two people minimum. So I went and got another nurse. We did our typical tip the bed, put the slide sheet, you know, and you're just, it's just usually just a simple shoot, especially when you tip their head down when they're larger than like, 
most people, most of our patients were bigger than us. I mean, most of us were younger females and a lot of our patients were grown men. They're going to be larger than us. We have to use the proper body mechanics to move them. So you tip the head of the bed down, you take the slide sheet, you whoop, right up, and then you set them back up like normal. I don't know how many times in my life I've done that with 10 years at the bedside. A lot. Never had a problem sliding him up and just like, I felt a pop and I went white. Oh like it was so painful. I, I went, I was nauseous. I went white. I broke out in a sweat and I was like standing there and I thought we had him up at the top of the bed and I was just standing there and I was like, I don't know if I can move. You're like, I genuinely don't happen? know if I'm going to be able to walk away from this spot right here. And I just was like standing there and the other nurse looks up and she's like, okay. And then she looks at me and she goes, why are you so pale? <laughs> And I was like, I am in a significant amount of pain. <laughs> and she was like, oh God, oh God. And she's like, what happened? I was like, I felt a pop while we were pulling him up. And she was like, okay, all right, we can deal with this. <laughs> and so it took me a minute, but like she set him back up, you know, raised him up, set him in bed. And I like slowly started to walk back towards the computer to scan my stuff and give it to him. And I was like, I could barely move. The pain was shooting all through my back. And it was like, that immediate lockup, you know how like your muscles just mm, as soon as there's so an injury where they're like, no, 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 we have to protect this. It was like immediate. And I was like, this cannot be good. <laughs> and <clears throat> I finished what I was doing because number one, I'm I'm not always smart. And number two, like that's just the way it is in nursing. You've got to get your stuff done. There's nobody else to do it for you. No other option. Like, what are you going to do? What am I supposed to do? So I finished giving him his medicines and even the patient was like, are you okay? And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know that panic like yeah, um I just just uh so I gave him his medicine I left the room the second I turned the corner and walked out of the room my work wife is what I always called her at her she was my best friend at the hospital she rounded the corner and she saw me and she said what is wrong with you why does your face look like that and I was like I think something bad has happened <laughs> and so you know you got to go through all the rigmarole you got to fill out the thing the like I've been hurt. This is an incident report is what we got to fill this out, do all this. They contact you, tell you what to do. I should have gone home and rested immediately. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, just please <laughs> just go home. Me. <laughs> go home, rest, do what you should do. Do not put other people's well-being above your own physical health. <laughs> but nonetheless, we were critically understaffed that day. So I refused to leave. Because who was going to take care of my patients? And I like, there's just, there wasn't, what was I going to do? And, and as a nurse, like you're responsible for that load. Once you take report on that load, you're responsible for those human beings for the duration of your shift until you can report off on them to someone else. Yeah. And so I was like, what am I going to do? So I powered through, I think someone ended up coming in early and relieving me a little bit that afternoon because I, I just, it was bad. And they sent me across the street to the orthopedic office. And they, you know, checked me out, poking on my back, I took an x-ray and they were like, I don't see anything. Doesn't mean there's nothing, but I don't see anything. Maybe you've just pulled a muscle or like have a fascia tear. And I was like, well, this does not feel like a pulled muscle. Yeah. But, like, it feels way like, worse I, than that, but I've okay. had a muscle pull before, like, but then I was like, okay, a fascia tear would make sense because it was painful and it was burning. Yeah. And he was like, you know, we wouldn't be able to see that on an x-ray. So we did a steroid shot and this and that. He was like, I want you to go home. I want you to take the next few days off, rest, ice. And then if it's still not better, we'll we'll reevaluate. 
All right, deal. So the steroid did help some, which should have been my first clue that it wasn't a fascia tear, but what's she going to do? So I took a few days off, tried to, you know, deal with things. Nothing was helping. And then I went back because the pain was getting worse. And I started having what we call radicular pain, which is that radiating, like the pain goes from one spot to another, the tingling, the nerve issues, things of that. So I called, they're like, no, no, we don't want that. Come back and see us. So I went back, he prescribed me like a dose pack of steroids and he wanted me to get an MRI. So when we, and that was probably, I was probably a month or so after the original injury that we finally got the MRI. Oh, dang. Um, well, it working with the workers comp was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. My adjuster didn't want to help with anything. It was just a constant battle. So we got the MRI and the MRI came back to show that I had a bulging disc at my L5S1. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I saw the report, I was like, that makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And man, I cried. I cried so hard for so long, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, it's upsetting. Like first major injury, you're like, my life is over. Like That's it. I'm never getting like, better. I was like, I'll never nurse again. You can't do, you can't do the bedside with back injuries. Like what else am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, and my mom yep. and you know, but my mom has had a back injury since like, as long as I can remember a long time. I remember a long time. Little. And so it has severely impacted her life Yeah, for as long as I can remember. She eventually had to have surgery, like right after my son was born it really, really debilitated her life in a capacity, like not being able to pick up grandkids, not being able to bend over or do things like, and, and that was all that could play in my brain was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I have a five and a seven-year-old and I'm not going to be able to pick them up and I'm not going to be able to play and I'm not going to be able to do. And I love exercising. How am I going to keep exercising? Like, it was just like this whole downward spiral of like, my life is over. <laughs> because yeah, exactly. disc. Well, it happens, especially when you're young. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm 30. I'm only 30. Like this can't be happening. And I had already had to have a hysterectomy like what, six or so months before the injury. So I was already like, my God, I'm 30 and all this crap keeps happening. And what am I supposed to do? Like, why am I falling apart? Just, just now. So I was already like kind of in the not as great of a mental space to deal with an injury, I guess. But you know, then they, that was when they prescribed physical therapy. So they were like, you know, it's not the end of the world. Do the whole dose pack. It'll help resolve some of the swelling, get it, get it to, to come down some. Then they started talking about wanting me to see a surgeon. Like we'll have to, and they were like, I don't think you'll need surgery. He kept telling me, he kept saying the, the PA that I worked with was actually really super great guy. And he was like, I'm here for you. I'm here for your support. I don't care. what works. (laughs) And I was like, okay, thanks. Um, and he was like, I don't think you need surgery. I don't think you're going to need surgery. He was like, but I want to have a surgeon agree with me. I want to have them say, no, this is not necessary. And I was like, okay, like valid. We'll, we'll do that. So it took forever in a day to get in with one of them for them to, to agree with that because workers comp, but like, ultimately the decision was to do the dose pack and then continue taking an anti-inflammatory if necessary and physical therapy. And that once they cleared me, I could return to work. And I was like, don't freaking see that happening. Like, I can't even hardly pick up anything right now without pain. But it ended up in like a whole drawn out thing. And and I had to just leave the facility that I was working at because of the workers comp situation. But I started physical therapy in probably like February sometime. 
And he originally said six weeks Mm -hmm. and I went for the full six weeks. And at the end of the six weeks, I felt a little better. Like I had some basic movement back. I was feeling some progress and the physical therapist was really great. Like she was awesome. I really enjoyed working with her, but then I just didn't feel like I was making enough progress, especially not to return to work. And, you know, and they just, I just kept getting the typical and I know how you feel about this, but I kept getting the typical, if it hurts, don't do it. Uh huh. Classic. That's not practical. Like I'm, I'm 30 and I have children and I have stuff to do. Like I can't just never do anything again because it hurts. Like this is not practical stuff for me. So when I went back at the end of the six weeks and I was like, you know, I just, uh, I personally don't, don't think it was enough. And they were like, that's fine. Let's do more. So they ordered six more weeks. Mm-hmm. And I had to wait a few weeks before I even started the second six weeks because it was a fight to get workers comp to approve an additional six weeks of physical therapy. Which is ridiculous. Um, I know. <laughs> so ridiculous. Why would we not take advantage of physical therapy? Like yeah. physical therapy is an excellent thing for people. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's a gap. It's, it's, it's bridging a gap between what you're going to need long-term and what, what you need. You know what I mean? Like the yep. injury and what you need long-term physical therapy fills that gap in the middle. And I think it's a very important thing. And so I don't know why it's always such a fight to get people to say, yeah, let's do physical therapy. But when I went back, I think it was a couple of weeks in that I started talking to you and I was like, okay, can I work? Like, is this something that we can fix? Is this something that I can get better from? And when I went back to physical therapy after you and I talked, I talked, it was a, she was a DPT that I worked with and I talked to her and I was like, what are your thoughts? I explained like what you do, this and that. And she was like, I think that's magnificent. She was like, I think that's, yeah, absolutely. You should do that. And I was like, okay, great. And so, you know, she kind of gave me like, once, once we're done here, you, you know, you've built up enough strength. Like you can, you have a starting place now. Like you're, you're not at ground zero anymore. You're at least on the first floor. I'm at least in the lobby yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah, at least that somewhere. Person. We're somewhere. We're not in the basement anymore. Yeah. So the physical therapy was really helpful. Um, and then they did, they did get me back on my feet, so to say. But then it was like after that second six weeks, like I can't imagine where I would have been if I hadn't have had you, like if I hadn't known what you did and that I could reach out to you and ask you for help because it was like what else am I going to do? This isn't enough. They're not going to approve any more physical therapy. I don't know what to do for myself. I don't like, I know how to exercise. I know how to strength train. I've been doing it since my first, you know, probably right after Aiden was born, I really started exercising and strength training. And so that was seven years ago at the time I had seven years of experience under my belt of exercising training, but I had no idea how to work around an injury how to get my strength back. Like I was really strong, honestly, before my injury. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how the heck, how the heck do I get back? And so that was where you came into play and saved my life. <laughs> well, <laughs> after that second, like second six weeks of physical therapy, kind of where were you at? Like progress wise, like, do you think you would have been able to go right back to exercising like you were before or kind of no. where, where you function at, at this point? Like, like I said, I feel like my function was like, I was at least not at ground zero anymore, mm-hmm. but there was, there was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't have even gone back to work. Really? Like there was no way by the time I was done with 12 weeks of physical therapy, mm-hmm. I still, there was no way I could have gone back to full capacity at my job. Yeah. There was just no way. Like, and if I like, 
walking was like the only thing I could do. Mm-hmm. Sitting too long hurt, standing for too long hurt, riding in the car for too long hurt. Like, Did you if pick I up the kids? No, no, I couldn't pick up my dang kids who were always like, and I was like, like crying on the weekly basis because I'm like, I can't pick them up. They want me to be. So, and they were still like little, like Peyton was five, barely five. Like she still needed me to pick her up and do things and this and that, like get her out of her car seat, get her out of the car. I was so dependent on Corey, my husband. I was so dependent on him to, to deal with so many things like, and, and like we had already kind of gone through a season with me recovering from surgery, like having my hysterectomy there for like six to eight weeks, you can't do any heavy lifting. And so I was like, he was already and always has been, but he was already like stepping up to taking a lot of the stuff. So I would have been really excited about being back and, you know, being back to work, being back on my two feet, helping with things around the house more, playing with the kids. And then it was like, boom, I can't do any of that. Like I couldn't stand at the counters in the kitchen for too long to cook dinner. Oh, wow. And like, I'm, I'm the primary cook in this house. Like I plan the meals, make the meals, get the groceries, things of the like, like that's one of my main roles in our partnership, but it's like, I couldn't do that. I couldn't stand there and wash the dishes. I couldn't bend over to load the dishwasher. I couldn't bend over to get stuff out of the washer and put it in the dryer. I couldn't wow. bend down to get the things out of the dryer to fold them and put them away. Mm-hmm. Couldn't bend over to clean the toilet. Couldn't push a vacuum. Couldn't, you know, I mean, like there, it was literally like every single thing I was dependent on somebody else helping me. Wow. Either get it out and hand it to me and let me sit here and fold it. But then after about 20, 30 minutes, I've got to get up and move around. I've got to change positions. I couldn't ever get comfortable yeah and how did that make you feel to have to be so dependent on oh, not good <laughs> that is not I am not I'm not that personality and, and now granted like my husband and I have been together for 13 years now total and he's he's always been the person I lean on like one of the only people in my life that I actually lean on and know I can you know share a burden with um but still, I don't, I don't want to have to. Right. And so that was really mentally taxing for me to constantly have to depend on someone else to do stuff for me. Mm-hmm. It's just not, not my style. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. Leave me alone is more my style. And uh-huh. I, I took a big hit to my ego with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you started working with me. And I want you to talk a little bit about like the whole process of like assessments and testing. Like, remember when we did like the step up test and all <laughs> that to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Okay. So initially when, when we first chatted and, and you sent me the assessment, I was like, oh, okay. Like this, like I can do this. It's not a big deal. Was I wrong? <laughs> Lord have mercy. Was I wrong? So it was little things like even like the the Jefferson curl like to see how far that I could roll yeah down and touch my toes and and come back up like I could do it but I couldn't go very far and it was really hard to come back up and then and then the what else was there some of the things were not a big deal I was fine I was able to do them without too much struggle but the the dang step-ups yeah, I remember the step ups being like a big thing. That was so humbling. 
that I could not do a freaking step up. Yeah. Like, okay. So what was the original height supposed to be the chair? Yeah. We were like trying to do it on the chair, like the kitchen mm -hmm. chair. She didn't have a yes, body. body weight, put yeah. one foot onto the seat of the chair and step up. Like just using, just using that leg and that leg's strength. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And, and it was like, why can't, why can't I do this? Why can I not just step up? It's not even that tall of a chair. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, I don't even remember what we ended up doing. I think finding something shorter and stepping up on that. Yeah. I don't um, remember. Cause I know you got like a smaller box, but I don't remember mm -hmm. what we did before that. You like found something that was a little shorter. And stepped up on that and said, but like, even then I would have to put my hand on something yeah, to do it initially, because that was like that single-sided strength was so, so off. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I remember just being like really devastated by that. Like I'm someone who's takes, takes care of herself. Like I always prided myself on like taking care of myself. I wasn't one of those nurses that was like, I'm gonna tell you what to do, but then I'm not going to do it. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take care of myself too. And uh, I exercised regularly all the time. And then it was like, what do you, what do you mean? I can't step onto this chair. Yeah. It's crazy. It was not, it was, it was not great. Yeah. Well, I remember like when I had my whole angle thing and after physical therapy, I was cleared, I could barely walk still. I like just gotten off my crutches mm -hmm. and I'm like, what do you mean I'm done? I can barely walk. And like, as someone who also has been strength training for a long time, I was like, how am I supposed to, like, I'm so weak. I can't do anything. No. <laughs> it's just all taken away from you. It is. So I, I remember, I remember you texting a picture of your ankle with, when you first like came down and, and uh -huh. oh my gosh, I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, that's not a functioning ankle anymore. <laughs> not, the ankle's tapping out. We're tapping out. We're done. We're done. <laughs> um and then also I remember like your hinge pattern was a really real struggle too like to even like do a good morning like body weight it was really hard to just even like bend yeah. over. yeah yes so humbling everything <laughs> everything about the original assessment was so humbling like you think you're strong and then you're like hmm maybe I'm not <laughs> or maybe I was like superficially strong I think, I think that's more of the realization that I had when it came, when it came down to working one-on-one -on -one with you and building my strength back. I was like, I was like, I'm working from the frigging ground up at this point. Like, and I have seven years under my belt. That should not be the case, but it was like things that I had never thought about mm -hmm. and probably wouldn't have, honestly, yeah. if it hadn't been for my injury. Like mm -hmm. you taught me how to build real functional strength. Right. And that wasn't what I was doing before. Like before I was just lifting weights. I want to have some muscles. Like that was it. That was the, you know, that was the extent of it. It wasn't like, I want to be able to carry my kid. I want to be able to wrangle a kid and also get the groceries in the house. Like it wasn't those type of like, how will these muscles benefit me versus just having muscles? Yeah. That's so it was a really big mindset change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Talk a little bit more about like, what are some things that you learned during our time working together? Oh, so many things. I learned that the basics, 
mm. are the most important. <laughs> the, the basics, the not fancy, not exciting exercises. Like, sure, those are great, I guess, in certain capacities. And occasionally, like, you just want to do a fun random workout. You do you. Mm-hmm. But, like, all these compound exercises and supersets and this and that that I had been doing all these years that were like I'm not gonna say they weren't beneficial because I was strong and I was in good shape and I was you know moving my body well and I think those things really matter but I didn't have functional strength Mm -hmm. and and it was like the boring repetitive do this every week and see how you progress that's where you actually get strong. Mm -hmm. That's how you actually build strength. Not like a different exercise every week, a different workout every week, whatever you found on Instagram. That's not building strength. Sure, you're exercising. And like I said, great. Everybody should be moving. I'm a firm believer in that. But you're not building strength if you're not doing the basics and progressing with like progressive overload. And so like, I was like, I'm real, well, well, we, we both are on the same page with this. I'm super ADD when it comes to a lot of things, <laughs> Yeah, and, which like, it's so funny to me as adults now realizing like, that's why we've always gotten along so well. Exactly. That's why we've clicked so well. <laughs> like <laughs> both real messed up in the same way. Both just screwed up in the head. But like, so I get bored, I get bored. Yes. And I don't, I don't want to do the same thing. I don't want to do the mundane tasks. Like I want something that's exciting and going to give me that dopamine. And so that's why I was always chasing the next workout, the different type of workout, what's going to actually give me some, some dopamine out of this. Yes. And so it was, it was a real struggle for me to buckle down and do those same workouts each week, week in, week out. But I think it was like, what we did 10 months total. Mm -hmm. So I think it was probably like somewhere halfway through there that I was like, well, crap. Like I, I know I don't like doing the same dumb thing over and over and over, but like, I've actually made a lot of progress. Like (laughs) I actually have some little baby quads poking back out here and like, wow, I feel, I feel better. Like I can move, I can sit in the car and ride 45 minutes to town center and not be in pain. Like, So it took, it was hard. I had to, I had to really force myself to do what I knew I needed to do. But that was, I think the biggest, the biggest lesson out of that for me is that it's the basics. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely always comes back to the basics. Yeah. I love that. It's so true. And a lot of times, uh, it isn't until something like an injury or something major where you're like forced to peel back all the layers mm-hmm. and like, wow, I do need to focus on the basics because I don't have a choice. Like when you're, yeah, when you're injured, you really have to build that foundation to be able to do those other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I would like to go a little bit into like, how was our time working together different from physical therapy? Like talk about like the differences between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, huge, huge differences. So physical therapy was basically like, I would go in for like, I want to say it was like 30, 40, 45 minutes at the most. And I went like 
two or three times a week. Um, and I would go in and it was like, they would have me walk on the treadmill for a few minutes to get, get my body moving, get my muscles warmed up, especially, you know, it was cold. It was cold time of year in the beginning. And, um, then we would do probably four to five different exercises, um, some band work. They did have me do like somewhat like step ups, but it was on like a phone block. Okay. Kind of like a yoga block. Like a yoga block. Yeah. Like, yeah, not very, not very, just enough to put you off, off kilter. And so I would, you know, step up on that step down. It was more to like, almost like you had to raise the other hip up to meet it and back down. So not necessarily a step up, right. just you're, you're, you're pulling that up. Um, there was stuff like that. They would have me do like some upper body exercises too, to get the blood flow going all through my back. A lot of like laying on the table, the sideline like clams and things like that to strengthen these little muscles in my hips. So like, it was beneficial, but it was very superficial. Like it was just, and and she would say most of what we're doing is to get blood flow back to that area to promote healing, which mm. makes perfect sense. She's absolutely right. That is what we need to do. They would sometimes do acupuncture at the end of my sessions to, to promote blood flow to the area too. And I was always like, I was always sore when I left physical therapy. It was always like a fresh reminder. Like, yeah, you're, you're injured. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're injured. Um, <laughs> But like every time I went back, I I don't, I never necessarily felt stronger. Mm-hmm. I never really felt like I was getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was because, you know, I, I had made some progress and like I could walk longer on the treadmill. She could put me at somewhat of an incline and it wouldn't hurt. Like they gradually increased each thing that they had me do. Um, but, you know, like uh, towards the end of my time, they were like, you, you'll have to continue doing something to get your strength back and she was like you know I know you know this as a nurse she's like but if you stop moving you'll stop moving (laughs) yeah you won't be able to move if you stop and and I was like you're you're absolutely I knew she was right I was like you're absolutely right and object in motion stays in motion right (sighs) so that was really like I don't you know that that to me was it was helpful but it was a very like superficial it wasn't the root of the problem. Yeah. It wasn't correcting the imbalance, correcting the lack of strength, you know? So, and like, I was really, really upset over it being a bulging disc because I thought like, that's it. This is over. It's never going to get better. And I'm just going to have to deal with this forever. And, you know, it's, it's been almost two years since I got injured and I do still sometimes have uncomfortable days. Like there are days that I get some twinges that I've said a funny way for too long because I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. And then I'll stand up and I'll be like, oh, dang. But I know how to deal with it now. I know how to address it. And I continue week after week to keep building strength and keep getting stronger and keep doing the basics. So working with you compared to working in physical therapy was, I I personally wouldn't put them on the same playing field. Like it's, it's not the same thing. Working with you for injury rehabilitation was not the same thing as going to physical therapy. Mm-hmm. So working with you was honestly life-changing because you took my problem and gave me a tailored solution, not a blanket. Here's what you do for a back injury. Let me know how you feel in six weeks. You were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's what, you know, 
let's see where you're at. Let's see what we're working with and we will go from there. And so, you know, I remember at first being like, this is like nothing. There's like, this is not hard. Like I know how to work out. I don't, it doesn't have to be so. And then I would do it and I'd be like, motherfucker. <laughs> You're like, this is so hard. <laughs> Why is this so hard? And I want to say for like the first several weeks, I would get really emotional. Like I would get, I would get really frustrated after workouts because I would be so angry that it was hard to do these minor things. And I kept, I kept having to be reminded by the people in my circle, like you, Caitlin, my husband, like, it was like a constant reminder that like, you're hurt. It's going to take time to get back. You have to stop, you know, you've got, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the stuff to get your strength back. So you have to just embrace it. And I think like one of the best things about working with you is like when something wasn't working, I could just tell you. Exactly. I could say, this is not working. This hurts. No matter which way I try to do it, it hurts. It's making me nervous. You also were really good about teaching me the difference between uncomfortable and pain. Mm. There's a fine line. Like being in healthcare, I know there's a fine line between discomfort and pain. Yeah. And a lot of people, a lot of people associate discomfort as pain. Yeah. Because maybe exactly. they've never felt true pain. You know, like may, they, they just may not know. But like that injury, that was true pain. And I knew it. I knew true pain for like, I mean, I, I had been injured before, but not like that. And so it was like, yeah, this is pain. But then there would be things that I would do like the step up a little bit higher that time or something. And I would be like, man, this kind of hurts. And you would be like, does it hurt or is it uncomfortable? <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, I don't know. Like, I guess it's just it. uncomfortable. <laughs> and you'd be like, okay, that's fine. Well, yeah. it's fine then we have to push through uncomfortable a little bit and I was like, fine so you know it was like it was having that one-on-one -on -one support and you having the time to to just be like okay what wasn't good about today's workout what right. wasn't good about this week what you know like and I think what I checked in with you every week like mm -hmm. the the check-in thing the form so every week I could be like, okay, this is what went well. This is what didn't go well. Here's a success from this week. Like that was, that was really helpful, but it was also helpful for me to sit there at the end of each week and evaluate. Yeah. And reflect like, and reflect and be like, okay, this wasn't as bad as in the moment I felt like it was like, look at, look at what I did do successfully this day. Look at what I did. Oh, I was able to use 12 pounds instead of 10 pounds on this day. Like that's a, that's a big deal when you're injured. Oh, definitely. So it was, you know, it was really, it was really helpful to have that, that true support and that, and the true accountability to like, not only am I, you know, working with a coach, I'm paying for this right. and I'm not going to just sit on my tail and not do it Yeah. because, you know, like, and I mean, granted we're practically family. So I knew you would have had my tail if I was just like, nah, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> But it's, it's that accountability of having someone you've got to report to per se and be like, I did or I didn't. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, that's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So did you think that it would take as long as it did? I, I don't think I really had any idea how long it would take. I think that I had some hopes some wishful thinking that within like a few months I would feel better of, of getting strength back. But I don't, I think, you know, I was just so like, I was so desperate to make sure that I didn't end up stuck. 
Mm. That I was willing to do whatever and however long it took to not be stuck because I had watched my mom suffer all those years. And I, and, and I, you know, I would sit there and I would think back and I would say, what if if there had been somebody like you Mm -hmm. that could have helped her in the very beginning of her injury, she could probably be living a lot different of a life. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to let myself go down that road of, of ending up stuck and not able to do. Yeah. So you really had an attitude of it takes as long as it takes. Yes. Yeah. And and I, you know, that was really helpful because my most successful clients have that attitude. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. I want to get, I will do what it takes. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can get caught up in like, well, how long is it going to take? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like you talk to anyone and say like 10 months and they're like, oh my gosh, like that's so long. But think about now, so two long. years later, you're still pain-free yeah. and you're doing all the things. Exactly. So it's really that long of a time in the grand scheme of your life. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, that's something that I teach my clients is I say like, you can't go into it with the mindset of, I want to be 20 pounds lighter six weeks from now. <laughs> yeah. We, we're probably not going to do that. And yeah. even if we did, it would probably have been some drastic methods. That means once you lose that 20 pounds and you go back to doing exactly what you were doing before, that they're going to come right back plus some. So you have to go into it with the mindset of, and I think in any type of coaching, you have to go into it with the mindset of I'll do what it takes. Yes. And I will give it the time and I will give it my commitment. And I feel like a lot of people walk away from things because they don't see results immediately because we're such an instant gratification kind of world. Yep. But when you put your head down and you do the work and you say, this is my, my health, but we had an injury, your health, weight loss, just whatever it is. When you look at it and you go, I'm worth the time. My health is worth the time and effort. It really changes the game. And I think that was where I was at because it was kind of like the injury was kind of like hitting rock bottom for me. Yeah. Because I was already dealing with stuff and, and, you know, like not in the best place mentally. And then that was just like the nail in the coffin. And and I was like, I got to do, I got to do something. I got to claw my way up from here. And it was like that moment that was like, I am worth the effort. I am worth the time. I am worth the investment. I am worth feeling like myself again, worth feeling healthy again, worth you know, moving my body well again, worth liking the clothes that I put on. Like your health and how you feel are absolutely worth whatever investment it takes, be it time, money, effort. It's worth the investment. I love that. Such a good nugget. I wrote down the timestamp for a little clip. That's so <laughs> good. So do you recommend like after, after physical therapy, do you recommend people work with somebody like me who is able to get them stronger before going right back to however they're working out before or activities? Like, do you feel like people need that bridge? Absolutely. Without hesitation, 100%. (laughs) Now, if you're like, and I know like sometimes, like I know like on your social media and stuff, there's sometimes physical therapy that like gets defensive about this. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not saying that physical therapy is unnecessary. Exactly. It is necessary. It's two different things. 
Yes, exactly. Like, I mean, it would be like someone saying, if they see me, they don't need to see you. Yeah, exactly. It's two different services and two like, different. No, things. it's two completely different services. And and it's like, now, if you're at a physical therapy office that there, then you say like, Hey, I want to go more in depth. I want to really recover from this injury. I want to be able to work out again. And they have the time and ability, the resources to do that for you. Great. That's awesome. You can stick with them. Yeah. But even then, most of them in their training do not receive the same training that you received. Right. Just like you didn't receive the type of training I've received. Like we all go through different trainings and learn different things and spend hours, you know, practicing our craft and what matters to us and really investing in it. And so I, I, I tell people all the time, I tell people all the time about working with you to recover from my injury. And, and they're like, you, you hurt your back, but you still lift weights. And I'm like, absolutely. I do. And I will never stop. Yeah. I was like, I'll never stop. I was like, and then I, t I tell them all the time, like I worked with a coach, a one-on-one -on -one, and she got me back to where I could do it on my own. Yeah. I was like, and I, I just, I tell everybody all the time because I've had, a, I've had a couple of customers that come to see me and they're like, you know, I don't, I can't really do that because my knee, I can't, so I can't do this and I can't do that. And I'm like, well, if you have, who told you that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. who told you that? like, well, you know, I told them when I do this, it hurts. And they said, don't do it. And I was like, <laughs> I just can't I just can't I have to I have to hold, I have to hold my mouth a lot of times but yeah. I was like you know you you can and I actually I actually had one customer that just said you know sometimes when I am doing stuff my knee really hurts so I just stopped doing anything and I was like that is the opposite of the solution yeah so you have to keep moving and like she just started walking again yeah. and when she started walking more she built that strength back up mm -hmm. and she was fine like it wasn't even an injury just yeah. me sometimes bothered her when she tried to do squats or something. And so she just stopped doing anything. And so I was like, you know, the answer is not stopping. The answer is never stopping. There always has to be, there's always a solution. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes the solution is simple. And sometimes the solution is working with a professional. Right. So I, I recommend it all the time. Absolutely. All the time. I'm like, you, here's what I did. This is what she does. You know, I, I've given out your information to quite a few people, your like Instagram handle and stuff. Like, oh, look, she gives a lot of tidbits, follow her and like, see what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm a huge, huge proponent of what you do. Awesome. Well, thank you. Gosh, you've given me so many kind words. Well, so you talk gave me my life back. So, oh, I love that. <laughs> Makes me happy. And so talk about more like, how do you work out now? Like, what are things like for you now with like how you work out and just like your activities and life and all of that? Yeah. So I can pick up my kids. <laughs> Yay. Again. And they're little chunks now. Yeah, they um, are. <laughs> they're bigger now. I mean, they're, they're actually pretty petite kids, but they're both like upwards of 50 pounds now. And I, I don't pick them up often just because like, they, they're flaily and big and so it's like you can't really do the proper body mechanics to pick them up at this point but I can is the point I can be in the kitchen and meal prep for two hours every Sunday and I don't you know what I mean like so every once in a while I'm like if I stand there for too long I'll be like I should probably take a break but like at this point too I've, I know and I've learned how to care for myself well how to do things well and I, I walk every day like every single day I go for a walk there's 
very rarely is there a day that goes by that I'm not out there walking around campus. Like they laugh at me all the time at work. They'll be like, oh, there's a nurse again. Like she's just, <laughs> she's just walking. She's, she's just wandering. I'm like out wandering. on the gravel, walking around the power trucks, going to, and I'm like, awesome. and they're like, well, dog, what are you doing? I'm like, I can't stay at a desk this long. Like how do y'all Inside, live all day? It is wild. So I'm, I'm out in a jacket, bundled up, walk. I got to do it. I got to move. But yeah, so I, I walk every day. And then three, most recently, I've been doing like two to three weightlifting sessions a week and then two or so, sometimes three days a week. I do like a dance class, a fitness dance class, because I I just, I just love, I just, I love it. Like it's fun. (laughs) It's just fun to me and I enjoy it and I can do it. And, you know, so that's fun. But, but up until recently when I started that, I was doing four to five strength training sessions a week, no more than 30, 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. nothing crazy. And it's, it's mostly the basics. It's mostly okay, the, basics. Doing the basics. I'm doing, I'm doing step-ups. I'm doing deadlifts, good mornings, squats, like just nothing fancy. Lat pull-downs, yeah. bicep curls, like honestly, probably at most once a week, am I doing accessory stuff like, you know, shoulders, biceps, because most of the time when I'm doing the basics in those big muscle groups, like you're working those accessory muscles too. So that's pretty much, that's pretty much it for me these days. I'm, I'm, I've even like really even dialed it back. Like I used to be the person that was at the gym for like an hour, hour and a half. And now I'm like, I got time for that. Yeah. I work, I have kids, I have a husband, I got stuff to do. Like I'm not spending an hour plus at the gym every time. So like I'm in and out in 30, 45 minutes. Yeah. Almost every time that I work out now. And I love that you're still doing the basics too. Like I taught you well and it's working. Efficient. <laughs> Efficient. Exactly. Efficient. And like, I think that's another common misconception about working out or working with the coach is that like, oh, I don't have time. Like it takes too long. And like, it doesn't have to, like I, I do whatever think, you get done. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it ever took me more than like 45 minutes tops yeah. to do any of the, the, the exercises that that you have me doing. I mean, like I was never, I think that was a beginning of a shift for me of being like, I don't have to be down here for hours. Exactly. Like I could just get in, get out. And I like, now that's my mindset. Get in, get out. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I don't feel like doing it that day. I'm just going to get in and get out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay. So last question I have for you is what would you say to someone who is dealing with an injury that's impacting with them. They're done with physical therapy. They've tried, they've tried that. They've gone to the chiropractor, massage, needling, like, but they feel like they're not progressing and they know they need more, but they're scared to try another thing. Like they feel like they've tried a lot of things, but they're like, oh, I've already tried a lot of stuff. Like I'm scared to try another thing. What mm-hmm. would you say to that person? I would say friggin' do it. <laughs> <laughs> do it no I mean like gen- genuinely I, I I always tell people just do it just do it I promise you that it is worth it but and, and you know you and I have talked about before when I worked with you we were really in a financial pinch because mm-hmm. I was injured and not working and my husband had just swapped to a new job and it was like we weren't expecting to be down to mostly one income at that point and it was like Ooh, what are we going to do but we made the decision to prioritize me getting my strength back and we're willing to make that investment. And that's something I always tell people too, like no one-on-one coaching is not ever cheap. Right. But again, 
or do you not feel like you're worth the investment? Do you mm. not feel like your you yourself, your health, your well being, mentally, physically, emotionally, it's worth the investment? So I always tell people that. But but as far as like you've tried everything and nothing is working, like then why not try one more thing? Mm. Why not try the thing that you've heard people say? Oh my gosh, I can do stuff now. Mm-hmm. Like I I just look at people and say I can pick up my kids. And I had a bulging disc at my L5S1. I can pick up my kids. I can do my dishes. I can meal prep. I can go for a walk. I can do all the things. I lift weights. I exercise. I can hip thrust again. Like I can do all the things that I couldn't do before because I worked with a coach. Because I worked with Ashley. Like I can do all the things that I want to do because I was willing to to give it a chance. Mm -hmm. That I was willing to say, I've done this. I've done that. None of it's worked. Or at least I'm just like stuck. I'm at a plateau. How do I get past this plateau? Mm -hmm. It's absolutely 100% worth giving it your all and saying, okay, I'll, I'll try this one thing. So what what are you trying? It doesn't work. Then what? Okay. So what? You tried one more thing. Big (laughs) deal. Like you've tried everything else. Why not try this thing? But especially why not try this thing that you've heard people say it works. It works. It's not glamorous. It's not flashy. It's not quick. Mm -hmm. So it's none of the things that people are just drawn to. Exactly. You know, four week boot camp and this and that. And like, those are flashy and glamorous. And people are like, oh, four weeks, I can do that. But when I'm like, I did 10 months. They're like, (laughs) they're like, whoa, what? They're like hard path. I got 10 months. Well, yeah, you do. Everybody does. The months are going to go by anyway. The time is going to go by. You have it. You just have to prioritize it. And that's what I tell people, like prioritize yourself, prioritize your health, take care of yourself, work with somebody who knows what they're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I mean, I think in my case, it's fortunate I'm able to use myself as an example. Right. And say like, I couldn't even do a step up. I couldn't even step up into a chair. And now I'm just regularly lifting weights on my own again without a coach. Yeah. That's huge. Why would you not? I said, and, and the difference between here and here is that I worked with a coach, is that I worked with Ashley. That's what got me from point A to point B. Yeah. I think that's, so that's what I that's what I tell people. Yeah. Do that's it. Awesome. And <laughs> also one more thing, like what's the cost of not prioritizing your health if you are dealing with the injury too? Oh, so many things. Just like in general, not not prioritizing yourself is a road to destruction. You know, I mean, and you stop, you get an injury and suddenly you're just like, well, they said if it hurts, don't do it. So I'm not doing anything. Then what? You're stuck doing nothing for the rest of your life. Yeah. When we stop moving, our bodies stop. They just stop. Yeah. We get weaker, stiffer. Yeah. So good. So then you've got more pain and you're like, why am I in more pain if they told me not to do it? So I don't hurt. Like, well, because they were wrong. Let's be honest. Yeah, they were wrong. You have to keep moving. Your body needs muscle. Muscle is the key to longevity. Yes. Yes. And I will scream that till the day that I die. Muscle, muscle, muscle. Muscle is the key to longevity. And if you're not moving and not trying to create muscle, you don't have muscle. Like what you have will atrophy, especially as you age. Like it naturally, we naturally go through muscle loss as we age. Mm -hmm. So if you're not trying to build and keep it, then you, you are going to suffer long-term. 
You have to have that strength. And nobody wants to just sit around for the rest of their lives and do nothing. Yeah, it's not living. No, and people get stuck in this downward spiral of like, well, I couldn't do it, so I just didn't. And now I can't do anything. And now what? Well, now we start. Exactly. You can always start. You can always, always start over. You can always say, like, I, I have customers say to me all the time, am I not too old? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. You are never, never too old to prioritize your health. And and the cost of not prioritizing your health is a, is a life of misery, honestly. It's just, it's just being miserable all the time, aches, pains. Then the next thing you know, you've got diabetes. And then the next thing you know, you've got heart disease. And then the next thing you know, you've got neuropathy. And it's like, it's just one thing after the other, after the other, because being healthy requires moving your body well. Yes. And then if you're not moving, you're not healthy. So the cost is dire, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you. I think that was so awesome. Lots of value for the people (laughs) out there and that your story can probably resonate with other nurses as well. And definitely lots of people. Sure. Like, well, I always, I always love chatting with you anyway. And you know, I'm, I'm your number one fan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Since the, since the beginning, like the beginning, like give me a t-shirt. That's my little sister. Awesome. All right. Well, stay on. I'm going to stop.